Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. We're going to spend the first hour, at least most of it, on D-Day. And then we'll get into the rest of it, hour two and three. I will not be here tomorrow. I'll be flying off to uh, California, the Reagan Library. And on the way to the Reagan Library from LAX, I'll be doing an uh, interview with my buddy Ben Shapiro. I believe it's for his Sunday podcast show. And uh, we will be at the Reagan Library on Saturday. It's always an honor for me to be there every couple of years in my family me wonderful patriots and really for me there are very few places that I'd rather be it's almost like a second home to me my experiences my history with President Reagan his 76 campaign 80 campaign and the uh, and the way those folks run that library and the the way that they uh, they have an event it's it's just second to none so uh, we're all very excited about that. D-Day. Well, I spent a lot of time thinking about this, how to approach this today, how to reach out to particularly young people that may not be familiar with this. There were tremendous battles during World War II, as there are during most wars. But if we had lost on D-Day, we would have lost the war. You can say that about a number of battles, but this one in particular. And the casualties were enormous. Enormous. And yet these brave young men, young men, put their lives on the line, many of them knowing they wouldn't survive. Particularly the first three or four waves one of the beaches in Normandy. I'm going to play a clip from you. It's a clip from The Time, a CBS News clip. Among other things, what they do say in the clip is the casualties were less than anticipated. Well, even though that's true, they weren't much less than anticipated. They were massive. Massive. See, the goal is to try and reach a point where we don't have to fight these kinds of wars by other efforts in advance of these wars to recognize growing powers, growing tyrannies, genocidal movements, and try and deal with them before they get too big. Because if they get too big, then the casualties to, uh, to the world, but in particularly this country, are significant. That's why when people say, well, why do we have a, uh, you know... <laughs> My fort over here and a base over here and a this over there. They're 7,000 miles away. Well, why do you think? 
to prevent another Third Reich, to prevent a new Soviet Union, to protect us before it gets out of hand. So I want you to listen, if you would, to this footage. They used to call these the newsreels. Uh, people could go to uh, the movies to see them as well as other places. As, the, as it was played, it's, uh, it's really quite compelling. Cut one, go. Powerful invasion air force ever launched. Some of the 11,000 planes that opened the path through the so-called impregnable Atlantic Wall. Between Laube and Cherbourg in Normandy, the Allied lightning strikes. Backing up the mightiest invasion by air, 4,000 ships, combat and landing craft, carry the war to the enemy by sea. The Coast Guard, the Navy, the Air Forces land hundreds of thousands of British, Canadians and Yanks on Hitler's doorstep within a few days. Isolating Cherbourg with its strategic harbor is the immediate objective. Landings are made under a naval barrage. President Roosevelt said, let our hearts be stout, and later Germany is the first on the list for destruction. These troops bucking the choppy seas in the channel heeded his words. While landings were successful, we were not without our losses. Each hour, and the enemy's hedgehog defenses are ahead. This is the supreme moment of invasion. This is frontal assault on an entrenched enemy. Medical corpsmen remove wounded for return to England. The first batch of Nazi prisoners, the supermen who believed their West Wall impregnable, and a Frenchman to whom the stars and stripes spell liberty. He's waited a long time for this. What he says wouldn't pass the censor. During the landings, the merciless pounding of the entire invasion area continues. Here is real pinpoint bombing. One of the last bridges between the invasion coast and Paris gets it. When the beachhead is established, heavier equipment is moved in. Reinforcements for those heroes who are bringing liberation to the people of Europe. The cost of our initial landing was but a fraction of what our leaders expected. More than 10,000 German prisoners were captured in the first few days of the battle. And we know one Hun who's not going to peddle any more Nazi philosophy. 
The Allied advance is rapid as we mop up town after town. Some yank will have a nice doormat when he gets back home. The Supreme Commander, General Eisenhower, holds an early conference with General Montgomery, the commander of English ground troops, and they see that all operations go according to plan. These are the men who will lead us to victory, along with General Omar Bradley with glasses, who commands our infantry. The cost of our first landing was low, but many wounded are returned to English ports, men injured in that first assault. Let these pictures remind us that there's still a long road ahead to Berlin. The bond you buy in this fifth war loan drive can help men like these on the path to victory. Now it's your turn. Buy that extra bond today. The cost was actually quite severe. The uh, casualties were enormous. Um, they thought they might even be worse. They thought it would be 50%. It was 40% casualties. And these men, brave, so brave, this battle, so many other battles, including in the Pacific, other parts of the world, North Africa, the Third Reich, Adolf Hitler, Tojo, Mussolini. There's also this reel that I, that I heard that I thought might interest you. Cut two, go ahead. After months of preparation and deception, Eisenhower launches his attack against German-occupied France. 150,000 ground troops jammed onto hundreds of small landing craft leave England and cross the English Channel. They'll land at five different beaches in France, codenamed Juno, Sword, Gold, Utah, and Omaha. As the landing craft approach the beaches, 15,000 aircraft and 7,000 ships provide a coordinated aerial assault on the beaches. At some of the landing sites, the Allied soldiers meet very little resistance. But at beaches like Omaha, it's hell on earth. For many of the Allied soldiers inside the landing craft, these moments before the door opens will be their last. A case of incredible courage in the face of overwhelming horror. I mean, uh, as the la- if you think about it, the landing crafts came up to the beach, and as they came up to the beach, the troops inside the landing craft could hear the machine guns tapping on the outside. The enemy machine gun is switched to what they call FCL, Final Coordination Line. They're going to put as much machine gun fire on the front of that boat. So when it drops, bullets go right through and kill two or three guys at a time. A lot of guys just died that way. Many don't make it off the boats. a soldier lucky enough to survive the initial machine gun barrage. The nightmare is just beginning. He then has to cross 200 yards of mined tidal flats, weighed down with wet, heavy gear. Then, 
get through another hundred yards of barbed wire beaches. It's three football fields of death and destruction as German machine guns shred fellow soldiers and friends. If you ever get a chance to visit Nomaha, it will change your whole view about the world. It will change your whole view about America. It will make you realize what incredible heroism was displayed by those guys there. The Allies survive on dead ground by fighting together and never giving up. Putting an army in a situation where it must fight or die, and they fought and they fought well and, and they survived. Through bravery and determination, the troops are able to take all five landing sites at Normandy. Despite all of the complex planning that went into the, the invasion of Normandy, it was the small unit tactics and the buddies fighting side by side that wins the Battle of the Beaches, and that's consistent throughout history. This is what we need. More history lessons, isn't it? Listening to this is makes you enormously proud, doesn't it? And enormously angry that so many Americans had to be slaughtered like this. And in many ways disgusted with the modern day politics in this country. I'm not kidding. People who compare the president to Hitler. Do they know who Hitler was? People who talk about this nation as racist. Do they know what racism is? And I want to salute David Paderush, who is uh, a top producer at Levin TV, right-hand man, who, when he was with the History Channel, produced this second clip. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arn argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. President Trump today gave a magnificent speech at the Normandy American Cemetery. And after the bottom of the hour, we'll begin playing some of those clips. A tremendous speech. And, you know, this just tells you what this nation is capable of if it's united. But there are forces in this country. There's a political party in this country. There's a media in this country that does not want us united. As they continue to push their agenda... 
Meanwhile, the greatest threat we face is the threat from within. The weakening of the United States from within. The weakening of our military, the weakening of our culture, the weakening of our constitution, the rejection of our history. We are a great country and a great people. Maybe it'll be a thousand years from now. Maybe it'll be 500 years from now. I don't know. Things are changing so fast and mostly not for the better. I just hope they're not writing of the United States as they've written about Athens, as they've written about Rome, the once great America that destroyed itself. That's the greatest threat we face. And we weaken ourselves from within, then enemies from without are poised to strike, economically or militarily. And we face many threats from overseas. The gravest threat, as we've been talking about behind this microphone and on Levin TV, and most recently on Life, Liberty, and Levin, is Red China. Red China is a genocidal regime. It is a tyranny. It is totalitarian. And it's on the move. It's on the move. And we are not prepared. We're not prepared as a people. We're not prepared as a government. And our military keeps warning us about what's taking place. And we are facing something the rest of the world has never faced throughout history. For the first time, mankind is facing multiple totalitarian regimes with nuclear weapons. Iran, it is said, is six months away. This is why I have very little tolerance for people to say, well, what is it our business, what Iran's doing? Are you kidding me? Is this a joke? What is our business, what Iran's doing? And they're very sure of themselves when they say things like this. Very sure of themselves. If a president who's trying, struggling, but trying to deal with North Korea, like past presidents would not, and he's mocked for it. When we come back, President Trump, the Normandy American Cemetery and the 75th commemoration. We'll be right back. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. 
That's in Primus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. Mark doesn't suffer fools well. So, if you're a fool, don't call 877-381-3811. You know, freedom of the press is truthfully one of the great freedoms in this society. Vast majority of societies around the world, there is no freedom of press. And so when the modern mass media is destroying the free press, it's time to take notice. There's no self-policing. There's no circumspection. Even after the disasters of the last two and a half years, the damage they have done to journalism as a profession. And what also is happening is pretty remarkable too. Unfreedom of the press is taking this country by storm. And yet you wouldn't know it. You'd know it in this audience. You'd know it in the Fox audience. And you'd know it by those who have acquired a copy. But they pretend it doesn't exist. Because they don't want to face reality. They prefer to continue to do what they're doing. I can assure you that if this was a book attacking our country, attacking our Constitution, damning our nation as racist, attacking the President of the United States, there'd be a lot of hullabaloo about it. It'd be on 60 Minutes, the television networks, CBS Sunday Morning, News Shoes, New shows from sea to shining sea. But because it is an honest take on what's come of the modern mass media, they think they're going to censor it, but it's not going to work. It is the hottest book in America, thanks to you. And on freedom of the press has an enduring message. It's the same message that the colonists had before the Revolutionary War. It's the same message that the colonists had during the Revolutionary War. It's a message of liberty. And that we, who stand on the shoulders of our ancestors, we must restore freedom of the press. We must acknowledge what's taking place. This is what we civilians have to do. Civilians, those of us who are not in the military, this is our job. We have to be mindful of liberties lost internally. It's not the job of the military, it's our job, the citizenry. On freedom of the press is available everywhere, including on Amazon.com. I will not be here tomorrow. Bill Cunningham will be here, a dear friend of mine. And I won't be here to also mention that Mark Penn, who is a terrific gentleman, a Democrat, a centrist, who's been appalled at the hard left turn of his party and the attempt to take out this president and has written widely at the Hill and other places and been on television, uh, he will be my guest on Life, Liberty, and Levin, 10 p.m. Eastern on Sunday on the Fox News Channel. I want to thank the Fox News Channel for giving me an opportunity to have this program. 
It's late on Sunday night. Nobody thought it would work. But I did, and so did Suzanne Scott, the CEO, and Rupert Murdoch. And it's worked. I was asked to do a show on Fox, and I wanted to do something unique. And everywhere I go, people talk about that Sunday show. You can thank them. Without them, I wouldn't have that platform. But I've tried to make the uh, best use of it for people who are intelligent, people who want to know things. And I think that's exactly what we're doing. I couldn't be prouder of that program. Again, not because of me, but because of the guests, because of the format, and because of you. I couldn't be prouder of unfreedom of the press, not because of me, but because the way you've taken to it. The way you've taken to it. President Trump today. Let's get started. Those of us who are proud of our president, you'll even be more so. Cut four, go. This beach, codenamed Omaha, was defended by the Nazis with monstrous firepower, thousands and thousands of mines and spikes driven into the sand so deeply. It was here that tens of thousands of the Americans came. The GIs who boarded the landing craft that morning knew that they carried on their shoulders not just the pack of a soldier, but the fate of the world. Colonel George Taylor, whose 16th Infantry Regiment would join in the first wave, was asked, what would happen if the Germans stopped right then and there? Cold on the beach just stopped them. What would happen? This great American replied, why, the 18th Infantry is coming in right behind us. The 26th Infantry will come on too. Then there is the 2nd Infantry Division already afloat. And the 9th Division and the 2nd Armored and the 3rd Armored and all the rest. Maybe the 16th won't make it, but someone will. One of those men in Taylor's 16th Regiment was Army Medic Ray Lambert. Ray was only 23, but he had already earned three Purple Hearts and two Silver Stars fighting in North Africa and Sicily, where he and his brother Bill, no longer with us, served side by side. In the early morning hours, the two brothers stood together on the deck of the USS Enrico before boarding two separate Higgins landing craft. If I don't make it, Bill said, please, please take care of my family. Ray asked his brother to do the same. Of the 31 men on Ray's landing craft, only Ray and six others made it to the beach. There were only a few of them left. They came to the sector right here below us. Easy Red, it was called. Again and again, Ray ran back into the water. He dragged out 
one man after another. He was shot through the arm. His leg was ripped open by shrapnel. His back was broken. He nearly drowned. He had been on the beach for hours, bleeding and saving lives, when he finally lost consciousness. He woke up the next day on a cot beside another badly wounded soldier. He looked over and saw his brother Bill. They made it. They made it. They made it. At 98 years old, Ray is here with us today with his fourth Purple Heart and his third Silver Star from Omaha. Ray, the free world salutes you. If that doesn't, <laughs> if that doesn't give you tears, nothing will. The president continued, cut five, go. Nearly two hours in, Unrelenting fire from these bluffs kept the Americans pinned down on the sand, now red with our hero's blood. Then, just a few hundred yards from where I'm standing, a breakthrough came. The battle turned, and with it, history. Down on the beach, Captain Joe Dawson, the son of a Texas preacher, led Company G through a minefield to a natural fold in the hillside, still here. Just beyond this path, to my right, Captain Dawson snuck beneath an enemy machine gun perch and tossed his grenades. Soon, American troops were charging up Dawson's draw. What a job he did. What bravery he showed. Lieutenant Spaulding and the men from Company E moved on to crush the enemy strong point on the far side of this cemetery and stop the slaughter on the beach below. Countless more Americans poured out across this ground all over the countryside. They joined fellow American warriors from Utah Beach and allies from Juneau, sword and gold, along with the airborne and the French patriots. Private First Class Russell Pickett of the 29th Division's famed 116th Infantry Regiment had been wounded in the first wave that landed on Omaha Beach. At a hospital in England, Private Pickett vowed to return to battle. I'm going to return, he said. I'm going to return. Six days after D-Day, he rejoined his company. Two-thirds had been killed already. Many had been wounded within 15 minutes of the invasion. They lost 19 just from the small town of Bedford, Virginia alone. Before long, a grenade left Private Pickett, and he was gravely wounded, so badly wounded. Again, he chose to return. He didn't care. He had to be here. 
He was then wounded a third time and laid unconscious for 12 days. They thought he was gone. They thought he had no chance. Russell Pickett is the last known survivor of the legendary Company A. And today, believe it or not, he has returned once more to these shores to be with his comrades. Private Pickett, you honor us all with your presence. And we'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, many of our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But sadly, many have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse and instead peddle their moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, there's Hillsdale College. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. And as Hillsdale enters its 175th year, their goal is simple and yet profound, to help students understand what is noblest and best in yourself and the world. Hillsdale College's liberal arts education and vibrant campus community help students form a foundation for the rest of their lives, a truly life-defining experience. So if you're looking for a college that prizes learning and values intellectual enthusiasm, where everyone shares a strong sense of meaning and purpose, welcome to Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu slash admissions to plan a visit and learn more. That's hillsdale.edu slash admissions. Cut six, go. 9,388 young Americans rest beneath the white crosses and stars of David arrayed on these beautiful grounds. Each one has been adopted by a French family that thinks of him as their own. They come from all over France to look after our boys. They kneel, they cry, they pray, they place flowers, and they never forget. Today, America embraces the French people and thanks you for honoring our beloved dead. Thank you. our friends and partners, our cherished alliance was forged in the heat of battle, tested in the trials of war, and proven in the blessings of peace. Our bond is unbreakable. From across the earth, Americans are drawn to this place as though it were a part of our very soul. We come not only because of what they did here. We come because of who they were. They were young men with their entire lives before them. 
They were husbands who said goodbye to their young brides and took their duty as their fate. They were fathers who would never meet their infant sons and daughters because they had a job to do. And with God as their witness, they were going to get it done. They came wave after wave without question, without hesitation, and without complaint. More powerful than the strength of American arms was the strength of American hearts. These men ran through the fires of hell, moved by a force no weapon could destroy. The fierce patriotism of a free, proud, and sovereign people. This is why when individuals who do not understand this country who live in the lap of luxury, who are afforded every opportunity, whether they take advantage of it or not is up to them, who demean this country, who take a knee against this country, who accuse this country of systemic racism and all the other bromides and hate speech that is thrown at our fellow Americans. This is why many of us must stand up and defend them and defend this country and defend our people. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. In the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. This is why it's important for a nation to have one culture, one language, for immigrants to be assimilated into our nation, for colleges and universities to undergird the grand principles of the American experiment, not to try and destroy them. This is why it's crucial to have a truly free press, not propaganda mills, not those who manufacture press, but a truly free press so that the American people can really know what's taking place and make decisions for themselves and their country. And all these things are under attack in this society. All of them. I want to continue. We have two more clips that I thought were very very important that I'd like you to hear from the President of the United States on the 75th commemoration of D-Day. And the President was, of course, at the Normandy American Cemetery. Cut seven, go. They battled not for control and domination, but for liberty, democracy, and self-rule. They pressed on for love and home and country, the main streets, the schoolyards, the churches, and neighbors, the families, and communities that gave us men such as these. 
They were sustained by the confidence that America can do anything because we are a noble nation with a virtuous people praying to a righteous God. The exceptional might came from a truly exceptional spirit. The abundance of courage came from an abundance of faith. The great deeds of an army came from the great depths of their love. As they confronted their fate, the Americans and the Allies placed themselves into the palm of God's hand. The men behind me will tell you that they are just the lucky ones. As one of them recently put it, all the heroes are buried here. But we know what these men did. We knew how brave they were. They came here and saved freedom. And then they went home and showed us all what freedom is all about. The American sons and daughters who saw us to victory were no less extraordinary in peace. They built families. They built industries. They built a national culture that inspired the entire world. In the decades that followed, America defeated communism secured civil rights, revolutionized science, launched a man to the moon, and then kept on pushing to new frontiers. And today, America is stronger than ever before. And now, finally, cut eight, go. Seven decades ago, The warriors of D-Day fought a sinister enemy who spoke of a thousand-year empire. In defeating that evil, they left a legacy that will last not only for a thousand years, but for all time. For as long as the soul knows of duty and honor, for as long as freedom keeps its hold on the human heart, To the men who sit behind me and to the boys who rest in the field before me, your example will never, ever grow old. Your legend will never die. Your spirit, brave, unyielding, and true, will never die. The blood that they spilled, the tears that they shed, the lives that they gave, the sacrifice that they made, did not just win a battle. It did not just win a war. Those who fought here won a future for our nation. They won the survival of our civilization, and they showed us the way to love, cherish, and defend our way of life
for many centuries to come. Today, as we stand together upon this sacred earth, we pledge that our nation will forever be strong and united. We will forever be together. Our people will forever be bold. Our hearts will forever be loyal. And our children and their children will forever and always be free. May God bless our great veterans. May God bless our allies. May God bless the heroes of D-Day. And may God bless America. Mark Lovin. Makes you think of other wars too: the Vietnam War, the Korean War. I often think of the Civil War and the Revolutionary War. Just think about Gettysburg, the bloodiest battle on American soil ever. Fifty-one thousand soldiers were killed, wounded, or captured, or listed as missing on both sides. A nation of about 24, 25 million people. Look what we were up against in World War II. Look what we were up against. Japan was at its height of military power. Obviously, so was Hitler. And we were on our heels for a period of time. So we had to fight back and push back. And there were times... When it looked bleak. And there were times when some thought we couldn't do it. But we could do it. And thank God we did. Or the world would be a completely different place. A horrific place. When I watch some of these people on television who are trashing this magnificent country. When I watch athletes who succeed in this country like no other country on the face of the earth. Professors, tenured. When I watch hosts and anchormen and anchorwomen. Or an array of people who present themselves as knowledgeable on TV and elsewhere. Trashing this country. I say to myself, they have no respect for what's come before. None. The sacrifices. The carnage to give them what they have today. You want to see systemic racism? It's all over the world. It's not in the United States. You want to see true wage gaps? It's all over the world. It's not in the United States. Let's go. Cut three. Ronald Reagan. Go ahead. Forty summers have passed since the battle that you fought here. You were young the day you took these cliffs. Some of you were hardly more than boys with the deepest joys of life before you. Yet you risked everything here. Why? Why did you do it? 
Well, what impelled you to put aside the instinct for self-preservation and risk your lives to take these cliffs? What inspired all the men of the armies that met here? We look at you and somehow we know the answer. It was faith and belief. It was loyalty and love. The men of Normandy had faith that what they were doing was right. Faith that they fought for all humanity. Faith that a just God would grant them mercy on this beachhead or on the next. It was the deep knowledge, and pray God we have not lost it, that there is a profound moral difference between the use of force for liberation and the use of force for conquest. You were here to liberate, not to conquer, and so you and those others did not doubt your cause, and you were right not to doubt. You all knew that some things are worth dying for. One's country is worth dying for. And democracy is worth dying for because it's the most deeply honorable form of government ever devised by man. All of you loved liberty. All of you were willing to fight tyranny. And you knew the people of your countries were behind you. The Americans who fought here that morning knew word of the invasion was spreading through the darkness back home. They fought or felt in their hearts, though they couldn't know in fact... That in Georgia, they were filling the churches at 4 a.m. In Kansas, they were kneeling on their porches and praying. And in Philadelphia, they were ringing the Liberty Bell. Something else helped the men of D-Day. Their rock-hard belief that Providence would have a great hand in the events that would unfold here. That God was an ally in this great cause. And so, the night before the invasion... When Colonel Wolverton asked his parachute troops to kneel with him in prayer, he told them, do not bow your heads, but look up so you can see God and ask his blessing in what we are about to do. Also that night, General Matthew Ridgway on his cot, listening in the darkness for the promise God made to Joshua, I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. These are the things that impelled them. These are the things that shaped the unity of the Allies. When the war was over, there were lives to be rebuilt and governments to be returned to the people. There were nations to be reborn. Above all, there was a new peace to be assured. These were huge and daunting tasks. But the Allies summoned strength from the faith, belief, loyalty, and love of those who fell here. They rebuilt a new Europe together. There was first a great reconciliation among those who had been enemies, all of whom had suffered so greatly. The United States did its part, creating the Marshall Plan to help rebuild our allies and our former enemies. The Marshall Plan led to the Atlantic Alliance, a great alliance that serves to this day as our shield for freedom, for prosperity, and for peace. In spite of our great efforts and successes, not all that followed the end of the war was happy or planned. Some liberated countries were lost. The great sadness of this loss echoes down to our own time in the streets of Warsaw, Prague, and East Berlin. The Soviet troops that came to the center of this continent did not leave when peace came. They're still there, uninvited, 
unwanted, unyielding almost 40 years after the war. Because of this, Allied forces still stand on this continent. Today, as 40 years ago, our armies are here for only one purpose, to protect and defend democracy. The only territories we hold are memorials like this one and graveyards where our heroes rest. We in America have learned bitter lessons from two world wars. It is better to be here ready to protect the peace than to take blind shelter across the sea, rushing to respond only after freedom is lost. We've learned that isolationism never was and never will be an acceptable response to tyrannical governments with an expansionist intent. But we try always to be prepared for peace, prepared to deter aggression, prepared to negotiate the reduction of arms, and yes, prepared to reach out again in the spirit of reconciliation. In truth, there is no reconciliation we would welcome more than a reconciliation with the Soviet Union, so together we can listen, lessen the risk of war now and forever. Town Hall meeting, and you can join in at 877 381 3811. You know, I've been telling you how the uh, Trump administration wants to eliminate secret rebates and discounts given to pharmacy benefit managers and instead require all drug discounts to go directly to patients at the pharmacy counter. That will mean significant savings for seniors 65 and older, and everybody, really. But listen to how Democrats now plan to stop it. They point to a congressional budget office estimate of the economic impact of Trump's plan as proof that his reforms will increase drug prices. This is an old trick. The CBO is made up of left-wing economic Keynesians who operate in secret without explaining their economic assumptions, which explains why the CBO is notorious for getting it wrong. In 2003, the CBO overestimated the cost of Medicare Part D, by $349 billion. They scored Trump's drug pricing reforms using the same static analysis that doesn't consider how it would stimulate innovation, competition, and create efficiencies to drive down costs. In other words, the CBO simply ignores how the free market works. That's a trick we shouldn't fall for again. So get the facts. Go to truehealthcarefacts.com. That's truehealthcarefacts.com. Truehealthcarefacts.com. Dot com. All right. Andrea Mitchell on MSNBC today. There she was at Normandy interviewing one of her favorite people, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House. But I want you to focus most especially on Andrea Mitchell. Cut 14. Go. Looking at that bipartisan delegation here of Democrats and Republicans were joining together to celebrate the ideals and the sacrifices. We are so divided as a country right now. Do you worry about the politics right now, impeachment and everything else that's on the, on the well, table, and how that can further divide us? Well, again, with all due respect to your question, I'm not here to talk about impeachment. But I do say that on the subject of our veterans, we always strive to work in a bipartisan way. So Andrea Mitchell asks 
Will impeachment further divide us, given all that we see here today? And Nancy Pelosi says, with all due respect to your question, I'm not here to talk about impeachment. They're both right, aren't they? And they're both wrong, aren't they? They shouldn't be there to talk about impeachment. In fact, impeachment shouldn't be talked about at all, anywhere. But it will clearly further divide this nation, won't it? There were some uh, polling numbers I saw on the front page of the Washington Times. And they were kind of bleak, even though it's early in the process and we're not going to let polls drag us down. And they showed that some of these states where Donald Trump won and won very close in terms of the popular vote. Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. That he's behind double digits with Joe Biden and even Bernie Sanders. Nancy Pelosi's looking at those same polls. They feel they've driven the president's poll numbers in certain key states down. Joe Biden doesn't want impeachment. He thinks he'll be the nominee, and he may be. And he feels he can win these states. And not the mess, as we used to say, the apple cart with impeachment. Impeachment is a wild card that could change everything. That's just how they're thinking. They think they have this in the bag. Just keep pounding, pounding, pounding. Keep the president and the nation in this bizarre state of pre-pre-impeachment. Endless investigations, endless media stories, just pound us and pound us and pound us, and then some will succumb. Some will succumb. You know, president is taxes, you know, the president and his foundation, and the president and this, and the immigration, and president that. That's what they're counting on, particularly in the suburbs particularly in the suburbs, particularly women in the suburbs. That's what they're doing. This is all about 2020, not about the country. This is all about the Democrats taking the government, not about the country. The hard, radical Marxist left within the Democrat Party, including the anti-Semite left within the Democrat Party, they want to hang the president from a telephone pole and they want to do it yesterday. Pelosi feels that 2020 is theirs if they don't blow it. That's why she keeps saying, we'll keep investigating, we'll see, we'll see, we'll keep investigating, investigating. So the nation is faced with endless investigations, endless subpoenas, endless disputes, endless claims of criminality, of unconstitutionality, of abuse of power, and so forth. And the media, in many ways, are leading the charge. It's diabolical. I said it early on, and others have now repeated it. This is nothing more than opposition research on our dime, the taxpayer dime, for the Democrat Party in 2020. And it's grotesque. But don't think Joe Biden is such a strong candidate either. He actually looks very weak to me. I mean physically and mentally weak. And he's a liar. He's a serial liar. He's lied about so many things in his background and his life, he can't even keep track of them. In 1987, he lied about marching in the Civil Rights Movement. Cut 15, go. 
When I marched in the civil rights movement, I did not march with a 12-point program. I marched with tens of thousands of others to change attitudes. He didn't march at all. Much like this guy Blumenthal from Connecticut never served in Vietnam. It doesn't stop them from winning office, but they lie all the time. They lie about the country. They lie about their proposals. They lie about capitalism. And they lie about themselves. Absolutely do. And there's a new crop of Democrats who want to be president who in many ways are even more sickening. There's a representative from Massachusetts. I thought there was some hope for this guy, but there isn't. He's military veteran Seth Moulton on CNN. Mr. Producer, I'm quite serious. Can you see if Seth Moulton will come on the radio show? And what happened? We're waiting to hear. Because I watched him. I watched him on TV, and I was appalled by what he had to say and the way he was conducting himself. And I want to respectfully, but I want to question him. There's a big debate about the Hyde Amendment. The Hyde Amendment was an amendment to every appropriation uh, bill, every major appropriation bill, that basically said uh, the American taxpayer is not funding abortions. The reason is there are millions and millions of people in this country who have a moral repulsion to abortion, and they shouldn't be forced to pay for it. But the left has no tolerance for diversity. The left has no tolerance for religious liberty. They say a mother has a choice, but of course the taxpayers, many of whom are mothers, they don't have a choice. And so not only do they compel abortion from sea to shining sea, but they compel that everybody pay for it. So Seth Moulton on CNN today made an outrageous statement. Cut 18, go. Joe Biden has been clear on his support of the Hyde Amendment throughout his career. The Democratic Party platform has gone against that starting in 2016, but Joe Biden hasn't changed his position. Uh, What's your opinion of that? I think he should change his position. Uh, I think it's wrong. Uh, It disproportionately attacks uh, women who don't have the private means uh, to afford an abortion. All right, let's let's just stop there. This isn't about economics. This isn't about the rich or the poor. It's about humanity. Why does everything come down to class warfare for the Democrats? Why does everything come down effectively to a Marxist construct? Poor women can't afford abortions. Who do you think get most of the abortions in this country? Even before the federal government funded them. There's all kinds of clinics that are more than happy to perform abortions. And they don't charge a hell of a lot of money. Go ahead. It's sort of like saying, you know, I support the troops, but I don't want to pay for pay them. This is sick, and this comes from a military man. And I'm telling you, all military men aren't the same, particularly when they become politicians. He says, 
I don't support the troops. Excuse me. I support the troops, but I don't want to pay for them. I support the troops, but I don't want to pay for them. The troops are protecting life. The troops are patriots. Abortion has nothing to do with that. Abortion extinguishes a life. Call it a choice. I'm not going to call it a choice. I don't have to regurgitate what the left says. It's a human being. It's a human being. And this man, a man of the military, and yet so obsessed with becoming the nominee of his party, embraces the radical left, that he would dare compare funding of aborting human life to troops. Go ahead. Here. And... And, and, I, and, I, and I think it's wrong. I mean, he says he's pro-choice. He says he supports a woman's right to this decision with her doctor. And yet he refuses to support uh, federal funds for it. So what? That was the position of the United States government and Democrats for decades. Before Barack Obama. For decades. One has nothing to do with the other. You have a right to own land. But it doesn't mean the government has to buy it for you. Does it? And here's Elizabeth Warren. Same thing. Cut 19. Go. Is Joe Biden wrong? Yes. So why, why is he wrong? Here's how I look at this. I've, I've lived in an America where abortions were illegal. Yep. Well, let, let's 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 stop. You're from Massachusetts. Abortions have been legal in Massachusetts for a very very long time. For a very long time. Go ahead. And understand this. Women still got abortions. Now, some got lucky on what happened, and some got really unlucky on what happened. You know, you know what amazes me about this, this kind of demagoguery? Gosnell. Gosnell, the mass murder of Gosnell. I wonder how many tax dollars he got to perform the butchery that he performed in that townhouse for years and years and years, mostly little black babies and black women. They act like if it's not legal and not funded by the federal government, then butchery will take place. Well, butchery does take place, even today, where it's legal and is funded by the federal government. And when the government funds things, we get more of it. More bad stuff happens. You see, this is the problem with MSNBC and a guy like Chris Hayes and many of these other so-called news people at these various town halls and forums with these candidates. They're not substantive enough to know how to respond to this. Senator Warren, are you familiar with the Gosnell case? Are you familiar that abortion, legal, funded by the federal government, still resulted in Mr. Gosnell, excuse me, Dr. Gosnell, slaughtering women and their babies? How do you explain that? And that most of these abortion clinics are immune from oversight by state and federal health authorities? How do you explain that? 
Instead, we have to listen to this. Go ahead. The bottom line is they were there. And under the Hyde Amendment, under every one of these efforts to try to chip away or to push back or to get rid of Roe versus Wade. You're a liar. You disgust me. And you lie all the time. And you know you're a liar. From the days you lied in order to get into law school and you should be disbarred, pretending to be an Indian, a Native American, you never were a Native American. And you knew it. And then you blame it on your parents. You are a vile person. That's what you are. That's what you are. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. My good friends at the Media Research Center are planning this terrific cruise to the Mediterranean in September, and I'm told it's filling up very fast. Go to mrccruise.com or call 888-MRC-TRIP for all the details. There's a formula for these things, and the MRC has really figured it out. Now, what does that mean? Well, it starts with great speakers. In this case, you'll have the great Brent Bozell, Alan West, Cal Thomas, Jason Chavitz, Joe Piscopo, the Honorable James Buckley, Terry Jeffrey, and many others. People who are intelligent, interesting, and leaders in their field. And people who enjoy talking with people like you. If you sign up, you'll get to have dinner with a few of them and pick their brains. It's an extraordinary opportunity that few people ever get. They also pick excellent ships with great itineraries, and they really focus on making sure everyone has a wonderful and fun time. It's not all serious. Now, of course, you'll be discussing serious topics, but the goal is to have fun and meet like-minded people, and I guarantee you'll make new friends. All you have to do is go to mrccruise.com or call 888-MRC-TRIP. And they can answer all your questions, but do it right now, folks. That's mrccruise.com or call 888-MRC-TRIP. Mr. Producer, who do we have who you believe that I should speak to of the left or the right? Ken from Sunnyvale, California, the great KSFO country. Go. Hey, how you doing, Mark? Honored to speak to you. Thank you. Um, my uh, uncle was on Omaha that uh, that morning, um, and some of his uh, recollection. Um, I was 16 years old. I had to do a report on uh, on the war, and my father said, "You know, your uncle was was in the war. Why don't you speak to him?" I had no idea that uh, that he was on Omaha that day. Um, so uh, you're going to have to get there. to it, or we're going to lose you. Go ahead. Yeah, are you the, I'm kind of in a bad area. Can you hear me, Mark? Yeah, but we're running out of time. Okay. I so said my uncle was on Omaha. No, we day. know. So to, what happened? I had to do a report, and I had no idea he was on Omaha. And he gave me a little insight on uh, on he was actually rerouted to Omaha. And he, uh, in short, he said when the beach hit the when the craft hit the beach, he could hear the bullets hitting hitting the craft. Uh, he didn't run out right away. He kind of stuck his head out, got about three seconds to decide which way to go. Uh, the big problem was the machine gun nests up top, he said. Uh, he said once it could knock those out, they could get on the beach. But uh, he said he thought he'd never see San Francisco again. And uh, like I said, I had no idea he was even on that beach. 
You know, the first wave had 90% casualties. Did you know that? It was it was amazing. He he said it was it was like anything he'd never seen anything like it. And the second uh, wave had seventy five percent casualties. I mean, they were getting uh, just mowed down one after another after another. Uh, Ken, where uh, Sunnyvale? You know, I lived a short while in Sunnyvale on a small road called Waxwing off of Lawrence. You ever hear of that? I have. Uh, I'm from the area. Um, I, I I've heard you say a hundred times uh, I'm, how. I'm sure they've built a monument Sunnyvale to myself. Was. All right, Ken. <laughs> Sunnyvale was a nice town, at least back then. I'll be back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark. Love Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Politico, Speaker Nancy Pelosi told senior Democrats that she'd like to see President Donald Trump in prison, quote-unquote as she clashed with House Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler in a meeting on Tuesday night over whether to launch impeachment proceedings. Now, I want you to think about this. They want to see Trump in prison? For what, exactly? And don't hand me the Mueller report. The Mueller report is toilet paper. They want to see Donald Trump in prison. They'll figure out the crime later. They'll have some kind of a, a rump trial. Maybe they'll handcuff him to the chair like they want to do to Bill Barr. Do you folks understand how sleazy and extreme these people are? That their kind of language leads to violence? When you have the Speaker of the House saying that you want the President of the United States in prison, in prison, what that would do to our country, this is incredible to me. And Nadler is so desperately pushing for impeachment. Impeachment for what? Well, the prosecutor said you could have. A prosecutor is a reprobate. He's a sleazeball. He walks off the stage. He takes no questions. He thumbs his nose at Congress. He undermines the rule of law. He violates every notion of judicial ethics. He accuses somebody, not of a crime, but a possible crime, something he wouldn't dare bring in court, and then leaves to retire at the villages or somewhere. And we're supposed to take Mueller and his people seriously? We already have one lawyer, John Dodd, who has accused rightly Mueller of cherry-picking a transcript of his conversation with Lieutenant General Flynn's lawyer. They lied about it. Now, this country, you don't get to conduct yourself this way and then claim that you're upholding the Constitution and the rule of law. We have a conga line of sleazeballs here. 
Pelosi met with Nadler and several other top Democrats who are aggressively pursuing investigations against the president. According to multiple sources, Nadler and other committee leaders have been embroiled in a behind-the-scenes turf battle for weeks over ownership of the Democrats' sprawling investigation into Trump. I mean, does this not sound like weeks and months after the communist revolution and Le- with Lenin and the rest of them? The Russian Revolution, where they're all fighting over power. Nadler pressed Pelosi to allow his committee to launch an impeachment inquiry against Trump. The second such request he's made in recent weeks, only to be rebuffed by the California Democrat and other senior leaders. So clearly Nadler is leaking to Politico. Pelosi stood firm, reiterating that she isn't open to the idea of impeaching Trump at this time. You see, Nadler knows. That he can strip all of his clothes, stand on his head, and play chopsticks on the piano all at once, and he'll still get reelected from his damn dark blue district, as would most of these committee chairmen. I don't want to see him impeached. I want to see him in prison, Pelosi said, according to multiple Democratic sources familiar with the meeting. Instead of impeachment, Pelosi still prefers to see Trump defeated at the ballot box and then prosecuted for his alleged crimes, according to this. Prosecuted for what crimes? For what crimes? The hell's going on in this country? You're talking about the President of the United States. You throw around, oh, he's committed crimes. He should be prosecuted. He should be in prison. Just outrageous. For what exactly? They said she was expressing solidarity with the pro-impeachment Democrats who want to hold the president accountable. Accountable for what? While disputing the idea that it is now time to take that step. Let me tell you what would happen if they try this impeachment stuff right now. Let me tell you what would happen. More and more Americans would turn on the Democrats in the House. The Democrats who got elected out of purple or even red districts, marginal districts, they would be defeated in the next election. They would be defeated in the next election. We had two, two and a half years of this crap. The report wasn't good enough, so they got Mueller to get up and give a eight or nine minute incoherent attack on the President of the United States. It is Mr. Mueller who should be doing prison time for what he has done to this country and to our justice system. It is the freaks, frauds, and phonies who he hired who should be doing prison time. I would love to see Andrew Weissman. Andrew Weissman. I'd love to see him in Rikers and not in solitary confinement either. What do you think, Weissman? How would you like it? How long do you think Weissman would survive in Rikers? 14 seconds, maybe? He'd be chump for the sharks. Oh. Only if. Other Democrats said Pelosi's comment wasn't that surprising, given her previous criticisms of the president. Ladies and gentlemen, how many more times do I have to say this? Where are the Republicans in the House? We want to see 
10 years of tax returns of Paul and Nancy Pelosi. We want to see the tax returns of their five children. First, we'd like to know their names. We want to see all their bank accounts. We want to see all the accounting information from their accountants. We want to see all the business activities they've been involved in. We want to see everything for the good of the American people, for transparency, for the Constitution, as they like to say. Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House. There's not a single law that can be passed, signed by the president, unless it's first a a bill that comes through the House of Representatives in one way or another. And she controls the House. She controls the House. We want to know if there's any conflicts of interest. We want to know if there's any investments overseas. We want to know if there's any quid pro quos. With Nancy and Paul Pelosi and all their children, 10 years of tax returns, Why are the Republicans such cowards? I mean, it really is grotesque. The Democrats are like uh, Stalinist stormtroopers. And the Republicans, you know, it's like a yoga class. Yoga class for the Republicans. What's what's the yoga class in the hot room? What what do they call it? I, I forget what they call that. They call it hot yoga? Okay, well, I was close. For the Republicans, it's like doing hot yoga. There they are in their tights, doing hot yoga. What's up, man? Hey, uh, the Democrats are trying to undermine the Constitution. Okay, okay. Give it a break. Cool cool it here. The Democrats, on the other hand, is pitchforks, fire clubs. They're ready. They're marching on the White House, ready to drag the president out of the White House, hang him from a telephone pole. She wants to see him in prison. I want to see Nancy Pelosi in prison. Do the Democrats still support, like, segregated prisons in terms of sex? A woman's prison and a man? I I would assume they don't. I would assume they don't. It needs to be gender neutral. Gender neutral. Everything has to be gender neutral. I assume prison will be gender neutral. Oh, one other thing. Democrats like to talk about race and constantly attacking white men, men of privilege, white men. How many times have we heard this, Mr. Producer? We heard it during the uh, Kavanaugh hearings. We hear it all the time on cable TV. White privilege, white men, Christian white men in particular, privilege. Now, here's a fact. That's going to be hard for some people to swallow. Not all, but the vast majority of those men who we celebrate today, who charged Omaha Beach on D-Day, who fought in the Battle of the Bulge, who fought at Iwo Jima and Guam, the vast majority of those men were white and Christian. That's right, I said it. It's a fact. White privilege. Christian privilege. Look at all those crosses. I know there were others. Of course there were others. 
but the vast majority of them were white Christian men. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Fort Lauderdale, Florida, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? Oh, no. not em- Emil, I'm sorry. Emil. No worries. I apologize to you. Hey, I just want to say I'm really proud of uh, Donald Trump for the way he is, what he's doing in Europe. He's like really like an American hero as a president, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and going back to what's going on. I, here, I remember a president not that long ago kept going to Europe and trashing us. Remember that one? Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. want to talk about him. Yes. It's just really and by the way, he's going to be producing, and he and his wife, and uh, performing a podcast. These people are the biggest hypocrites in the world. They're socialists, but they can't get enough money. I know. The greediest people are all They really good. are greedy, aren't they? And, and the funny thing is, uh, they attack success, and yet, look, look what's handed to them. They're handed this stuff. There's no way Michelle Obama wrote her book. She may have edited it. She may have reviewed it. She's made millions and millions of dollars off of it. Obama, mister, he's whining about her book, and she didn't really write it, and he's going to write his. And, and, uh, and then Netflix is handing them millions and millions of dollars, and they're getting millions and millions on speeches, and now podcasts, millions of millions. What for? Well, because they probably made some deals behind the... No, because they're darlings. They're darlings of the left. Melania Trump... Is, is truly the most magnificent first lady in my lifetime. She is uh, classy. She is beautiful. She knows five or six languages. She's smart as hell. Um, she is a wonderful first lady. They don't give her the kind of coverage that they give Michelle Obama, who's busy putting in a phony garden in the back of the White House where she never really went that is, to the garden and all the rest of it. Oh, they built her up as a fashion model and all the rest. We have a real fashion model who's smart as hell, and they barely even acknowledge her. Or she's wearing high heels, and they don't like the fact that she's wearing high heels on a particular occasion. They mock her. That's it's crazy. like the Obama children. What the hell have they ever done? <laughs> or, or, or a Chelsea Clinton has handed job after job after job. Anyway, go right ahead. Biden's. And let's not talk about Joe Biden. Yeah, too. and you know what? We are going to talk about Joe Biden. I'm going to do a special on him and his son in about six to eight weeks on Levin TV. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, so I'm calling about what really scares me is that they're taking God out of the oaths in Congress. And, Mark, they took the Ten Commandments out of the courthouse, mm-hmm. and that's just chipping away at our Constitution, at the pillars of what makes America great. Let me underscore what you're saying. The Democrats, now that they control the House, the chairman— when you take the oath and you say, so help me God, they have removed the words, so help me God. Exactly. And Emil is exactly right. They've pushed God out of the public square. They have pushed religion out of the public square. And now, so help me God is being pushed out of the, uh, the sworn oath that people are to give. Uh, this is, uh, and, and, and when you when you look at that and then you see that Really, it's the same mindset that's pulling down historic monuments. Forget about what the monuments are. They're historic monuments, tearing them down. Uh, 
trying to prevent certain types of people from speaking at colleges, that is conservatives and libertarians. And I can go down the list. This is, this is totalitarianism. It's a soft totalitarianism that's getting more and more aggressive. Absolutely. And, you know, once God is gone, we will not know what truth is anymore because God is truth. Mark. Well, for many on the left, there is no God except well, government and themselves, you know. Believe in anything and worship false idols like the that's Clintons, correct. the Obamas. And that's why that con- the Ten Commandments was so important in our life. Forget about the Ten Commandments. Now they worship the Mueller report. It's like Mueller's Moses bringing down the the, uh, the Mueller report from Mount Sinai. Not only did he bring it down once, my friend, he did it twice, apparently, because he gave a speech, too. So we follow Mueller, and we move the Ten Commandments out of the public square. You're exactly right. You know, Mark, that's one thing we should really fight for, is put the Ten Commandments back in public institutions. because Well, there's no go- fighting for it. You either change the Supreme Court, and you have a court that uh, actually honors American tradition and history and customs and the Constitution, or you don't. You and I can fight all we want. The problem is this has come on from on high and has been imposed on all the rest of us. If we speak with one voice like the uh, Newt Gingrich with the contract with America... It, I'm telling you that's not going to fix it. What needs to fix it is to continue to appoint people to the Supreme Court who are originalists. And by the way, I don't think Brett Kavanaugh is one of them. I agree with you. But you know what's kids with Congress is they don't care about what we d- we want to do because they're in power. They have their good old boys club, just like Pelosi. You know who her father was, right? You should do a show on her Yeah, father. well, I can't, I'm not going to do a whole show on the mayor, the former mayor of Baltimore. Uh, All right, my friend. Thank you for the advice, though. By the way, I get endless advice. It's so annoying, just to tell you. Think about your own work and so Endless advice on who should be my guests on my Fox show, who should be guests on my radio show. People coming up to me who I know saying that they should be a guest on my TV show or radio show. I I really have never seen anything like it. I mean, I would never go up to somebody and have never gone up to anybody and said, you know, I should be a guest on your show. But I get it all the time. And people recommending names to me all the time. Like, I don't know who works in Congress. Like, I don't know who's written books. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know who the conservatives are in Hollywood. It's unbelievable. Like, have you thought about this guy? Have you thought about that guy? I mean, and, and, and then they get upset when you say, okay, I, will you stop? What do you, what's the problem? We're just, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, yeah, the Obamas. I even have people work for me. Wonderful people say, why don't we get Bill Gates? So I said, well, go ahead and get him. Well, you're not going to get Bill Gates. He's not going to come on my show. Let's get Bernie Sanders. We've asked him 412 times. We're not going to get Bernie Sanders anyway. I'll be right back. This is where Hollywood liberals come for rehab. The Mark Levin Show is back at 877-381-3811. This Father's Day, and it's coming very, very soon, give Dad a gift pack with the Omaha Steaks he craves. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, in the search bar. You'll get 74% off the Father's Day Great Fix gift package. Now, that's a $235 value. Now, for only fifty nine ninety nine. 
Order now and you'll get, get ready, two tender filet mignons, two bold top sirloins, two savory pork chops, four Omaha Steaks burgers, four massive gourmet jumbo franks, four crispy chicken fried steaks, all beef meatballs, four premium chicken breasts, four caramel apple charlots for dessert, a packet of Omaha Steaks signature seasoning, and you'll also get four extra Omaha Steaks burgers free. Give this amazing package as a gift for Dad or to yourself. Stock up for an incredible summer grilling all at 74% off, just $59.99. Again, order now. You can get this exclusive Omaha Steaks Father's Day Steak Fix Package valued at $235 for just $59.99. Here's what you do, and you got to do it soon because they will run out and they will stop. Just go to omahasteaks.com. Type code L-E-V-I-N, Levin, into the search bar. That's omahasteaks.com. Type code Levin into the search bar. Here's another great Father's Day gift, but you need to act now. Go to Amazon.com. Unfreedom of the Press is 40% off. It's not always 40% off. Sometimes it's 35, sometimes it's 30. It's 40% off right now. Perfect Father's Day gift. Can you imagine? You give the Omaha Steaks. You give Unfreedom of the Press. Dad, granddad, husband, they're going to love this. They're going to love this. If they're patriots, they're going to love this. Can't think of anything better. And the cost's really good. Unfreedom of the Press, $16.80 on Amazon. Costco has it. Walmart has it. Target has it. Books a million. Barnes and Noble, our friends over there, they have it too. You can really find it anywhere. It's all over the place. BJ's, Sam's, they're well stocked and they're available, all discounted, unfreedom of the press. And here's the other funny thing. You know they're grinding their teeth over there at the New York Times. It wasn't just the number one hardback nonfiction book the first week it came out. It's the number one nonfiction hardcover book the second week. And you will determine whether it is the third week. And you know what comes out on Tuesday? Jim Acosta's book, Trashing the President of the United States, where he pretends to stand up for the media. So we're going to show him, I hope, all you Tom Paines out there pushing our pamphlet. Our pamphlet is Unfreedom of the Press. And already you can see there's been a national debate that we have triggered, and this is crucial. If we're going to save our country, freedom of the press belongs to us. It's crucially important. The modern mass media is not about freedom of the press. It's about propaganda manufacturing events, pushing progressivism, supporting the Democrat Party and social activism. That's not a free press. That's a mouthpiece for the left. So I know this, this coming Father's Day, and you don't have to be a father, you know. You don't even have to be a male. I think you're going to love this book. Go ahead and look at the five-star uh, comments. On Amazon.com. We almost have 1,000 comments in two weeks. That's unheard of. 97% five stars. Five out of five. Well, why do people say that? Because they're big fans of mine? No. All my books haven't gotten five stars out of five stars. Check it out. I think you'll really, really like it. Well, I don't know, ladies and gentlemen. Let's say you're a senator. There's so much going on out there, right? We have an open border. We have a debt that's through the roof. China's on the move. Russia's on the move. Iran and North Korea are on the move. 
There's so much going on that needs the attention of the Senate, is there not? And yet look at this focus. This is from Axios, a left-wing website. Senate draft resolution challenges Netanyahu on West Bank annexation. There is an obsession on the Democrat Party with the destruction of Israel. Oh, don't worry, we just want a two-state solution. No, you don't. A group of Democratic senators today introduced a draft resolution opposing possible Israeli annexation of the West Bank. It's not the West Bank. Why do we call it the West Bank? Because Jordan conquered the territory and annexed it, and the Israelis took it back in 1967? The West Bank. Can somebody show me in the Bible where it's called the West Bank? Can somebody show me in any serious historical book that it's called the West Bank? The West Bank of Jordan. It's Judea and Samaria. Judea. Got it? Not Palestinia. Judea and Samaria. Not Jordania. Judea and Samaria. This is an attempt to deter Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, they write, from putting his rhetoric on annexation into action. There's a left-wing site, of course. Now, they don't have a resolution about China and their genocide, what they're doing to Muslims, what they're doing to Tibetans, what they're doing to Christians. No, they're slaughtering them. No resolution from these senators. Now, who are they? Jeff Merkley. There's a slime ball. He's joined by Bernie Sanders, another slime ball. Elizabeth Warren, slime ball. Diane Frankenfeinstein, now isn't that fascinating? She and her husband of red Chinese largesse. Sanders and Feinstein, self-haters. That's right, I said it. Little Dick Durbin. Tammy Duckworth. Tammy Baldwin. And Tom Udall. And this draft resolution is supported by a group called J Street. It's a front group. It's made up of, in my opinion, self-hating Jews, leftists, who put their politics and their ideology before anything else. And so all the anti-Jew, anti-Israel, anti-Netanyahu, you get the point, all those forces turn to J Street. And they can say... Well, look, we have this Jewish group behind us. We have, what is is J Street? That's a, J for Jew, you know, J Street. That's a good group. No, they're not a good group. They're detestable. They're detestable. They're the fifth column. Now, what are they saying? Unilateral annexation, I'm quoting, of the portions of the West Bank would jeopardize prospects for a two-state solution. There can never be a two-state solution, ladies and gentlemen. There can be a fan dance about a two-state solution. But when you have regimes like you have in the Gaza Strip and in the uh, Palestinian Authority uh, that keep talking about death to the Jews, push the Jews there, do this to the Jews, do that to the Jews, Hey, I have an idea. Let's have a two-state solution. Hey, that's a good idea. And we'll live in peace and harmony. Yes. We'll have commerce. We'll have open borders. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be really swell. Sure. 
it would be death to Israel. As I've said a thousand times, a two-state solution is a final solution. It's a final solution. No country would do this that wants to survive. We would never do this. I mean, hell, we're mad at the government of Mexico for the open border, and we should be. But let's pretend they're shooting rockets into the United States. Let's pretend they're putting uh, 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 pensions and subsidies on the heads of slaughtered Jews. That is, if you're a Palestinian, you kill a Jew, you're rewarded. What would we do with a neighbor like that? Would we say, hey, I wanna, let's have a two-state solution. Yeah, that's good. Let's do that. No, I don't think so. And who gives a damn what Merkley and Sanders and Warren and Frankenfeinstein and Little Dick uh, Durbin and Duckworth and Baldwin and Udall, what any of them have to say? The resolution also says the Trump administration's efforts to promote peace between the Israelis and Palestinians should explicitly endorse a two-state solution as the goal of any process to resolve the conflict's core issues. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I've often said we ought to have a two-state solution in this country. One part of the country where the Democrats and the progressives live, govern, it'll be poor, it'll be bleak, they'll be starving to death, and then one for us that'll be vibrant and exciting, wealth creation, innovation, I think we ought to have a two-state solution in this country. What do you think about that, Mr. Producer? Meanwhile, Axios says, we reported yesterday on another draft resolution pushed by Senators Lindsey Graham and Chris Van Hollen that also supports the two-state solution. I'm very disappointed, Lindsey Graham, on this two-state solution. Let me ask you folks a question. Do you think we should have had one union in this country or a two-state solution? The Confederacy and the Union. It's two-state solution stuff. North Korea, South Korea. Another bipartisan draft resolution was introduced yesterday in the House of Representatives by Democrat Nita Nita Lowy. Another fraud. Another fake. And Republican Jeff Fortenberry. Fortenberry? You mean Dingleberry. It would create a $50 million fund for joint Israeli-Palestinian economic projects and people-to-people activities. Do these people live in the real world? Here's my suggestion. Merkley, Sanders, Warren, Frankenfeinstein, Little Dick Durbin, Duckworth, Baldwin, Udall, Lindsay, you too, Van Hollen, Lowy, Dingleberry, Fortenberry, all of you should go visit the Temple Mount and see what happens. Without any guards, without any protection, without anything. Or go through the city, once a Christian city of Bethlehem, without any protection whatsoever. I think you should try it. You should try it. And then come back and tell us about a two-state solution. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. By the way, folks, 
as you know, I'll be at the Reagan Library Saturday. We're going to live stream the uh, presentation, the interview with uh, John Highbush, the big muckety-muck there at the Reagan Library and Foundation and me. So many of you who couldn't be there, we're going to live stream that. Um, do we have a link to that, Mr. Producer? Have you heard about this? And what's the link? Blaze TV slash Levin. Write that down. Blaze TV slash L-E-V-I-N. Saturday afternoon, you can join us. And we're going to have a blast. I mean, there's going to be 1,500 people in the seats, including the, uh, the overcrowded rooms. I'm going to be there all day and into the night uh, signing books. So you can participate in this. It's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. It's one of the things we try to do here. We try to make available to you these different platforms, these different sites, books, all the kinds of things that I think uh, are important to this society. 2020 will be the most important election in our lifetimes. You better bet on it. Big issues are on the ballot. First of all, the presidency. And in that, the border, the Second Amendment, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, infanticide, the most expensive of all, of course, would be health care. And you know what the Democrats want to do? They want to destroy all private health care and Medicare. The Republicans ought to be running. Where are the Republicans? Anybody here from the Republicans? The liberals are pushing a plan called Medicare for All. They want to take a program seniors paid into all their lives and open it up to all comers, even the children of illegal aliens. It should be called Medicare for None because seniors will be forced to get in line with people who've paid nothing into the program. It's wrong. It's unfair. It's devastating. It'll destroy the world's greatest engine of healthcare innovation. Where's the AARP on this? That's right, the AARP. Why aren't they lobbying hard to stop this raiding of your Medicare? Because they're in the tank, that's why. The same AARP-backed Obamacare. Gee, and I thought that was nirvana. All of a sudden, that's not good enough. Now, that's why I'm urging all of you to join AMAC now, like I have. Because unlike the AARP, AMAC will fight hard against Medicare for all, that is, socialized medicine that destroys private health care and Medicare. I want to encourage you to become a member of AMAC.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S today. The stakes have never been higher. Join today, amac.us, amac.us. And by the way, they have great discounts and benefits. So check out their website. Speaking of illegal immigrants, Washington Examiner Paul Bedard, a great journalist, new border surge prompts 10% jump in 2019 prediction to 1,072,000 illegal immigrants. Unbelievable. The president wants to put a 5% tariff on Mexican goods to tell them to cut it out. Well, we can't do that. Why? Well, we can't do that because, you know, and that's from Republicans. They pretend they're free marketeers when they're not. They support subsidies. They support uh, uh, the uh, U.S. Chamber of Crony Capitalism. (coughs) Excuse me. Of course, the cost of illegal immigrants, imagine it. Almost one Point one million in one year, illegal aliens. Imagine the cost on your property taxes, your federal income taxes, the debt, these welfare programs and entitlement programs. They're going to crush us, these costs, these obligations. U.S. commander says American forces face imminent threat from Iran. 
NBC News, the top commander of U.S. forces in the Middle East says he believes the Iranians are, or their proxies may orchestrate an attack at any moment. <clears throat> I think the threat is imminent. Marine General Frank McKenzie said in an exclusive broadcast interview with NBC in the Iraqi capital, we continually evaluate our force posture in the region. Well, last time I checked, we have a couple of B-52 bombers there in Qatar. And my view is if they attack us, then we attack Tehran and we take out the governmental center of this this terrorist regime that wants nuclear warheads to shoot into the United States. And I'm not kidding. Mark, you must be a a neocon. No, I'm a red-blooded American, that's all. We talk about D-Day, and sometimes we have to, as as another generation, to, uh, to carry a burden, and that's a burden. U.S. pursues sale of over $2 billion in weapons to Taiwan, sources say, angering China. I love this. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Mr. President. Red China, you want to build your phony islands and threaten us? You want to put your bases in Africa like Nigeria and other places and threaten us? You want to put killer satellites up in outer space and threaten us? You want to steal our technology and threaten us? We have a lot of ways to deal with you. A lot of ways. We could kill your financial system, destroy it. But we ought to arm up Taiwan. And we ought to help Japan with tactical nukes. And we ought to make it clear to the left-wing government in South Korea, we want to put back 100 short-range nuclear missiles in your country too. And now, who's going to sue for peace? This has been the Levin doctrine from day one, hasn't it, Mr. Producer? South Korea, Japan, Taiwan, and yes, even Vietnam. The Philippines... We can encircle China. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I'll see you at the Reagan Library on Saturday. It's going to be very, very exciting. Don't forget, I won't be here tomorrow. Please get your copy of Unfreedom of the Press. Go to Amazon.com right now. God bless you.